We've been speaking about praise, and uh, we're also in the middle of our 21 days of prayer as we start out the new school year every year uh, during August and uh, January, the two firsts of our year. Uh, we take time out to just invest in focus, invest in hearing the voice of God more intently for the season ahead. And so we've, uh, we've been doing 21 days of prayer. We're on, I don't know what, 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 the how manyth day, but we're on the third week which, you know, more or less thereabouts, the 14th, 15th-ish <laughs> day. Um, but it's, it's been an awesome time to just reflect on what praise can do in our lives. Uh, we've speak, been speaking about a posture of praise and how important a posture of praise is within a prayer life and the power of praise. Um, and so today I'm going to, I think this is going to be the last one um, about, about a posture of praise. Although, um, you know, this morning as I was saying that, a thought came to mind that I, I might develop over the week. But if not, then next week we'll be starting on a new, um, a new, a new series. And it's going to be something around the sort of, okay, what now? Okay, so <laughs> everything got started. We're all excited, like mm, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, new school here. Okay, what now? All right, so I want to give us some practical directions as to where we're going as a church and uh, what we'll be focusing on in the next season. And so that might start next week, which I, I'm pretty confident that it will. But anyway, so back to today, praise, a posture of praise. During our worship Sunday, which was the first Sunday of kind of this new semester, and it was the first Sunday because I kind of just thought that this was the first Sunday. Later on, I realized that probably the next one was actually the first one. Um, but it's important that we chose the first one to, <laughs> to do this in. It wasn't really important that it was the first one or not. We just decided to kind of like the first Sunday of our next term to give that to Jesus in, in, in an, a worship offering. And I don't know if you were here, but we had a all praise and worship Sunday. It was no preaching. Well, okay, I did sneak in a little five-minute message, but um, <laughs> but it was all worship and praise, and we just wanted to come and bring our hearts before God and tell Him how awesome and amazing He is and how wonderful He is to us without expecting anything in return in the form of wisdom or counsel or, 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 or attention. We, we just wanted to bring him an offering of praise. And, we, and, we, and, I, and the little bit I shared, I spoke about how important it is to bring first fruits to the Lord. It's important for two reasons, because number one, it honors him. It acknowledges that everything we receive comes from him in the first place. It looks back and goes like, Lord, none of what I have, I could, have, I could have conjured up myself. I couldn't have produced this without you. And so it honors him by acknowledging him that everything I have is a gift of grace. It comes from him. Second, it honors him in me declaring that, look, I can go further with less, but with you in it, than with what I have without giving back to you. It is a step of faith and faith pleases God. It makes God exciting about, excited about your place in Him, about your journey with Him. Because it tells them that I am trusting you. I'm walking this life with you. And I will rather honor you with my first and trust you with the rest than try and do everything on my own without honoring you. And so for that reason, the first is so important. And you see that not just in our worship, you see it in all of your time all of your talent, all of your treasure, if you bring a first to God, it honors Him in that way. 
I think this was a first for our church. I've been speaking to some people. I don't think we've ever done a worship Sunday on a Sunday morning as a part of our actual church service, just full on praise to God and worship to Him in honor of Him. And I know, you know, we have these things sometimes, but we kind of delegate them to Friday evenings or maybe special, special week services. Um, and I, what I loved about it is that, you know what, it's almost like we're saying, Lord, the most important moment of our week, the one that we're kind of depending on as a church to, to get us to move forward, to get us to have success. Now we're going to give that to you and we're going to dedicate the whole thing to you and trust that with you, we will be able to make whatever happens moving forward. So we celebrate starting a culture in our church of giving firsts to God. And I think that as you start seeing how a first honors Him in your relationship with God, you'll start desiring to want to do that. And so often firsts have been explained in terms of a law or in terms of a warning that if you don't, then this and all that. Set all that aside because it's not New Testament thinking. In the New Testament, we act out of love and relationship. And so I bring my first to Him because I love Him. And if I don't honor Him in an area of my life, in that area of my life, I lack love. I don't lack law. law. I don't lack obedience. I lack love. For if I have love, obedience will follow. And so we want to develop this, this culture of loving God and, 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 and truly wanting to acknowledge and honor Him in everything. So we celebrate that. I'm, 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 I'm excited about introducing those thoughts to us because as it starts filtering through your brain and you start realizing, wait, maybe that should apply to this area of my life. Yes, maybe that area of my life. Yes, now you're starting to get it. Like Ryan said, bring your whole life to God as a sacrifice. Lord, how, how do you want me to live this? And as we do that, our life of faith pleases Him. And when we bring the first fruit to Him, the rest of the fruit becomes holy as well. It's, it's an awesome principle. And um, God is honored by our faith in that. But last week we spoke about a posture of praise and what it accomplishes in our life. And um, I'm not going to say the whole thing again, but if you're interested in how praising God leads to victory in your personal life, go, go listen to that one. Um, you can find it on our app, the OSC Connect app on, on the Google Store or the, app or the App Store. All of our messages is in there. You just have to find the Crowley one because there are three campuses in our church and one is in Jennings and Eunice. And we don't always preach the same things and certainly did not last week. So go find that. And, and we realize that praise is, is a... A posture of praise is almost like a readiness to respond to God with singing and proclaiming His worthiness. But we also said that it's like it's, like it's a mental disposition, which means that it's not just readiness to respond to Him in praise. It's also an emotional willingness to do so, no matter how it's going in my life. It's a place that I'm at where I'm willing to acknowledge His greatness and His worth regardless of whether my reality is currently comfortable or feeling blessed or not. A posture of praise helps me to at all times acknowledge His splendor and celebrate His place in my life in good and bad times. And so I believe in this posture of praise and how it has helped me in my life to stay positioned correctly towards everything that I face. 
when I have a posture of praise, I am correctly positioned. I'm oriented correctly to respond according to God's will and to be able to see his will about things. And when I see his will about things, I can declare that over the situation and it leads to God's purposes prevailing in those times. So I want to delve into that thought a little more. And before I do, I just want to ask, am I on? It feels like I'm hearing myself more than I'm hearing the system. Is it okay? All right, I'm going to keep going then. So today I want to delve into um, a title that says praise as a means of prophecy. Listen to how this psalm praises God and at the same time it prophesies over David and over his life. And, and he's actually doing this over his own life. He's writing this psalm. He's saying this psalm to the Lord and it does both those things. In, in Psalm 16 verse 5, he says this, The Lord is my inheritance and my cup. You are the one who determines my destiny. Your boundary lines mark out pleasant places for me. Indeed, my inheritance is something beautiful. I will praise the Lord who advises me. and My conscience warns me at night. I will always keep the Lord before me. And when he's at my side, I cannot be moved. That is why my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. And my body rests securely. I don't know about you, but if you lack any form of peace, any form of rest, if anxiety and depression and stress is overwhelming you, this is going to be a sermon that you want to listen to. Because within praise as a means of prophecy, there is a declarative power released over your life that can bring God's purposes to pass over you that can help your soul to find rest in Him, no matter how bad things are going and how rough things are going around you. So let's talk a little bit about this word prophecy. Because I know, I know that there's a lot of stigma connected to it. And I know that there's a lot of misunderstanding connected to it. And so I want to clarify and make sure that we understand what this word prophecy is. And if you want to get, uh, and, and I'm going to focus specifically today on how it relates to a posture of praise. But if you want to know more about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which this one is a part of, then it's important that you go listen to our series on the Holy Spirit. We did a eight week long series on the Holy Spirit last week, last year during summer. And we just went in detail into who he is, what his purpose is, and how he empowers believers to live the life that Jesus had commanded and invited us into. And so if you, if you want to know more about that, then that's where to get the detail of it. Today I'm going to talk about, just, just give a simple definition of what prophecy is and, 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 and how it'll help us in, in, our, in our life of praise. So a very simple definition of prophecy is basically to declare, to declare it is a communicative gift. It is something that brings a message from the Lord. It is something that is supposed to be intelligible, that can be understood. It can be weighted. It can be tested by people around us. So it is a, it is a, um, to declare the will of God over a situation or a person that will confirm God's will for that person, to that person. 
And it will bring encouragement. It'll bring comfort to the one who hears it. Okay, so let me say that again. To declare the will of God over a situation or a person that confirms what God's will is and encourages and comforts those who hear, who hear it. So to understand it properly, we have to learn that there is a difference between Old Testament prophecy and New Testament prophecy. Okay? And we've spoken about this before when we, when we talked about um, God's means for salvation in the Old Testament being different than what it is in the New Testament, right? And the word different, I need to qualify, but I can't do it right now. Um, in the Old Testament, God had set up a system of laws and ordinances to be followed in order to be made right with God, even though it was temporarily temporary and that's what kind of difference versus in the new testament there is a permanent righteousness there is a a a a a a, a complete nature change that came about through our faith in the lord jesus christ's perfect work and so because of that some of the old testament law it kind of gets stuck in the cross as a filter And if you read the New Testament and the Old Testament, you have to make sure that whatever you take from the Old Testament to apply to your life now, in your understanding about God, in your understanding about God's will, His desire for how we are to live, you have to see it first filter through the cross. And some things get stuck in the cross. Like we don't bring animal sacrifices anymore. It got stuck in the cross. Why? Because the cross was the fulfilling sacrifice. And we don't need no more sacrifices right now because Jesus' sacrifice fulfilled that. And so when the Bible says he fulfilled the law, it doesn't mean that he, he, changed or he, um, he took all law away and now we can just choose to live as we ought to. No, no, all it means is that certain things got stuck in the cross and now we see that he has introduced the real thing that he wanted us to know as humans of how to get saved and that's through faith in him. Now, with with prophecy, it's kind of like similar because in the Old Testament, nobody had the indwelling spirit of God. Have you ever read that verse that says, um, John the Baptist was the greatest of, of the old covenant, the greatest man that ever lived in the old covenant. And then he says, but the least of people in the new covenant is even greater than John the Baptist. Have you all read that verse before? I always thought about that to myself. My goodness. <laughs> you mean to tell me that, you know, some of us, well, not some of us, it says all of us. Okay, it's even difficult to admit that, right? All of us Christians are greater than John the Baptist. We're like, how is that even possible? And I believe it's simply about this, that as close as John was to Jesus and as righteous a man as he was pursuing the purposes of God and as great a prophet as he was, he never had the Holy Spirit living on the inside of his heart. Unfortunately, he died before Jesus would make that available. Now, I believe absolutely that had he not been you know, beheaded by Herod and, and he, he happened to live after, after the cross, that he would have had the Holy Spirit dwelling inside. And maybe that verse would have been different then, but he, he didn't. And so John went to be with God without understanding the privilege of having the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us like every Christian now has. It doesn't, doesn't matter from what denomination you are. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and make, makes, his, makes your life his home. He lives in the hearts of men that believe in, in Jesus Christ. And so that's a beautiful thing. But the Old Testament was different. 
people didn't, so the people couldn't hear the Holy Spirit voice of God like we have spoken in that other sermon that we talked about about hearing the voice of God and how do I how do I discern whether it's God speaking to me go find that one on the app it'll really bless you we have a greater privilege than any Old Testament believer in that we actually have the indwelling Holy Spirit and so we can hear the voice of God you can hear the voice of God Bible says my sheep hear my voice and the voice of a stranger they won't follow if you're a sheep you hear the voice of the shepherd you can only be a sheep through faith though but we've said that so if you're a follower of Jesus Christ it means you can and you are actually hearing his voice sometimes you need to just learn how to discern it and how to recognize it for yourself so in the old testament God used prophets to speak the will of God to people and those prophets spoke as the oracle of God they were absolutely authoritative if a prophet spoke of God then it was like complete authority and and people had to had to immediately listen repent change their ways etc or else another thing that's different from the old testament prophecy than the new the warning and would would come to pass and so often old testament prophecies um, um, had warnings and and judgments and 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 threats of judgment if they don't comply now if we look at new testament prophecy a lot of that falls away. Number one, because Jesus had made the Holy Spirit available to us to live inside of us so we can hear God's voice for ourselves. The second thing is that Jesus had taken all the punishment and, and, and all, the, all the judgment upon himself. And so there is no more judgment left for us who are in Christ Jesus. The only judgment that will come is the one that determines our reward at the end of the day. But the Bible says this is eternal life. Not one day when you figured out, oh yeah, I did do enough. No, none of that. Now, by knowing the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, whom He had sent. That is how we know this, that we have eternal life. And so any guy who comes to you, any person, any prophet who portrays himself as one that can come and bring warnings from the God with, you know, with, with, with threat of judgment if you don't comply, that person needs to learn how all of that is supposed to have gotten stuck in the cross. It, didn't, it wasn't supposed to translate into the New Testament gift of prophecy. And so don't listen to people who claim to be prophets but they speak judgment and they speak fear. They don't understand the difference and they don't understand how God works differently. They say different. See, the, old, the Bible is written in the New Old Testament and the New Testament, right? And roughly that communicates an old covenant and a new covenant, okay? So again, there's some qualifications needed there, which isn't really necessary to make right now, as long as you understand that there, is a, there was a different agreement how God operated with mankind in the, old, in the old covenant as compared to the new covenant. Now, is it, is it fundamentally changed? No, 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 no. Everything that the Old Testament said needed to happen, should happen, and would happen when the Messiah came, came to pass through Jesus Christ. And so the new is a fulfillment of the old. And if you read carefully, you can find all of the new in the old, kind of hidden in there, in symbols, in types, in metaphors. And so it's not like God changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's just that he brought his plan to pass. And it's a new dispensation that we're living in. And in this, in this time frame, God's agreement with us 
is purely based on the work of Jesus Christ, no longer based on our own observances of laws and procedures and rituals. And so because of that, there has to be a difference between the old way of doing prophecy and what the Bible says in in 2 Corinthians 12 is the gift of prophecy, which is a gift of the Holy Spirit that is meant to have a specific purpose. And I'm going to talk about that purpose now for the New Testament. In the New Testament, prophecy serves the purpose of prompting us toward what's God's will for our lives. The spirit of prophecy in the New Testament is to convey the grace of God, not the judgment of God, and his wisdom to people to help us navigate over um, decisions, help us to understand his will and, and the call, the invitation that God has on our lives into different things that he's calling us to. Let's read from the Bible. 1 Corinthians 14, 31 says this, For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and be encouraged. Therefore, brethren, earnestly desire to prophesy. This skips to verse 39. And do not forbid speaking in tongues, but let all things be done in a decent, decently and in order. The Bible is saying that when we operate in the gift of prophecy in the New Testament, we're helping people learn. We're helping people understand the will of God and how God wants for us to, 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 to respond to his, um, his call on our lives or in certain situations, things that he, want and that he wants for us to respond to and do. And we're also told in the New Testament to not be critical of prophecy. First um, Thessalonians 5.19 says, Do not quench the Spirit and do not despise prophecies. Test all things, though it says, and hold fast to what is good. Let me give you a personal example of how the New Testament prophetic words have helped us to come here. For those of you who don't know, we come from South Africa. We moved here about two years ago. And before that, there was a run up to our deciding whether this is God's will to come here. Initially, what happened was we started conversations with, uh, with Pastor Bubba, who's our founding pastor here at Our Savior's Church. And uh, um, it sounded like something that we thought to be what God wanted us to do, okay? But it was a really big decision for us to, you know, jump the pond, so to say. Uh, you know, our lives were so settled in South Africa. You know, we had, we had businesses, we had, you know, property, um, and all of our families there. We didn't move there. We were born there. We we're like 16 generations in South Africa, in my, my family line or something like that. Um, I'm a South African, you're bred. And uh, um, to make that decision, we wanted to know, Lord, is this you? Is it you making this opportunity available? Because I don't believe in the theology of open doors. It's just not, 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 not any scripture that, that helps c- confirm that as an absolute doctrine. Sometimes you have to say no to open doors because the devil can also open doors. Sometimes you have to break down a door because God said, continue to go. And so the theology of open doors is just completely lacking. Don't even go there. Trust God rather to speak to you through the means that he proclaims in scripture that he confirms his will. And one of them is is prophecy. And then there's the peace of God, but there's also the wisdom of scripture and the written word and, and, and many things that we have spoken about before as well. But we were praying, Lord, show us. We need to hear. This is a, this is a life-altering decision. Before we can say yes to this, I need some form of confidence that you're going to be on the other side there for us, waiting for us to, 
you know, or at least go with us, however you, which way you want to see it. You're going to be with us when we're in America. I needed to know that because I have four children, and I wasn't going to put their lives on the line just for the sake of having a fun missionary trip overseas. I had a wife who dearly, dearly loves her family. I do mine too. But the bottom line is I wasn't going to put her in that situation that I would be like, oh man, I'm so excited. I want to do, you know, I want to need some OE. You know, I need an overseas experience. And so let's just go do. No, it couldn't be any of that. It had to be confirmed as the will of God for our lives in this season. And so what did we do? We started praying, said, Lord, speak to us. Speak to us. And so we, we looked at scripture and we asked God, is this something that you would do to people. And as we saw, clearly, God sends people all over the show to perform His will. So it's not something that's outside of the will of Scripture. But then we had to become specific. Lord, do you want us to go? And we were praying, and in our hearts, there was an excitement about it. There was, honestly. But I wasn't going to go on just emotions. I needed to know something more. Here's what started to happen. Three different friends of ours each had, had dreams about us, okay? And such vivid experiences that they felt that they had been with us when they woke up. And so they, they all contacted us, but they knew, none of these friends knew each other. They were our friends. They did not know each other. And so each of them contacted us and said, look, we just, we just got to share this with you. This was so surreal that we did, couldn't just let this pass by. We had to share this with you. And so each of them had a completely different dream. But in each of their dream, there was an absolute indication. And, and through symbols and through uh, experiences that they had with us in those dreams, that God was sending us here. And so there was already something going on in our hearts. We were looking into something and then the spirit of prophecy um, came and it confirmed and then it encouraged us and it affirmed God's grace will be there for us to carry us and to help us. And that's what the, 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 the big idea, the big thing about prophecy in the New Testament is all about. We already have the written word of God, so it's not going to ever introduce any novel thought to us. It won't, because it doesn't need to, because we already have the revelation that God wants us to have. Where in the Old Testament, the people were still learning to understand the revelation of God. They were still trying to figure out who this God is and, and how and exactly what He wants them to do. Now we have it clear as black and white. Just read it and do it. There's no, there's, no, there's no, you know, rocket science to it anymore. But sometimes we need to kind of just get that, that assurance. We need that place of, um, Lord, is this for me? I know this is your will for everybody, but right now in this moment, I could really use a personal application to what I'm going through, to know that you are present, to know that you're alive, so that I might know that you're going to be with this in me, with this, with me in this. So the, the purpose of New Covenant Prophecy, second point, is to build the church up. It's to build believers up in their faith. It's to help them to respond to God's word. It's to confirm to them that this is what God wants you to do. Continue to walk in it, even if it's tough, even if it's hard to continue, even if it takes long to break through. This is God's will. Stay encouraged. Stay full of faith. Keep going. Don't give up. Where do I find this? 1 Corinthians 14, 3 says this. 
But the one who speaks to people speaks to people for their edification, for their encouragement, and their consolation. Edification, encouragement, and consolation. We see here that prophecy is for edification. What does the word edification mean? It means to build up spiritually. It means to help somebody grow in their response of faith to God. That they will continue to apply the promises in their life. They will continue to stay obedient no matter how hard it is. Edification. It helps build the right structure and identity in your life. What does it do? It affirms you of who you really are. When you received a word of prophecy, it will always remind you that you are saved, that you are sanctified, not by your works, but by the blood of Jesus Christ. And it will always affirm to you that you are a son of God that has been forgiven by God, loved by God, accepted by God, and now has a purpose in God. If any word comes to you and it does not have that spirit about it, you can just, you, you can filter it out. You can filter it out because it's not the New Testament spirit of prophecy. It's there to edify us. The second thing that it does, it brings encouragement. Okay, it's like it's putting courage in you, right? What does that word mean, the encouragement? Look at the, the Greek word there. That's why I put that up there. It's the word paraklesis, right? Do you know where, what the word paraklesis also referred to? For those of you who were in our Holy Spirit series, you'll know that the, the, the Greek word that is translated Holy Spirit, uh, the, the Greek that's translated to Holy Spirit in the, in the New Testament is the word parakletos. So the Holy Spirit's Character and nature has to be all over prophecy. It has to have the nature and the character of God the Father, the heart of the Father towards His children. It has to be completely enveloped in that because He is the encourager. The Bible says He is the one who comes alongside us and aids us in our walk. He helps us to know all truth. He convicts us when we've done wrong. He, he, he shows us how to repent and how to make right with God. And then he shows us the new way forward. He helps us cultivate our relationship with God, encourages us in it. So part of the word of prophecy in the New Testament is to bring encouragement to the saints, right? It's to help the saints in their walk. Then consolation. It's there for Edification, encouragement, and consolation according to 1 Corinthians 14. What does consolation mean? It means comfort. In the first one, he affirms your identity. Reminds you this is who you are. In the second one, he affirms your, your calling. Tells you this is what you're called to do. And then he tells you, like, I have empowered you to do this. I have enabled you to do this. And in the last one, he affirms a positive result to you. He says to you, look, this is going to be okay. It's going to work out. You know, one of the things I try to tell my kids often, I said to them, hey, it's all going to be okay. We're going to figure it out. It provides security to us. It provides to us a place of rest in our souls that go like, God's got this. It's going to come to pass. He will get me through. How many of you feel right now you can use a little bit of assurance of outcome? Just a little bit of, okay, guys, it's going to be okay. It's going to work out. 
That is the spirit of New Testament prophecy. And the purpose of it is to help us achieve that as a body of believers, to build up the body so that we all will be people that walk in our identity, assured of who we are, that we all know that we are called to be purposeful, that our destiny is unlocked in Jesus Christ and we can become that what he has created for us to be and that we have been given everything we need to live this life in the way that he wanted to us. So we can know that and then know that no matter how hard it goes, it's gonna work out in the end. That is why we have the gift of prophecy in the church and why it is so needed in the church today. Is it not? I mean, how many of you want to walk out of a church service here and, 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 and just be like, man, that just did nothing for me. Man, I, don't walk, I, don't, I walked in there hopeless. I came out there knowing that it's hopeless. Nobody wants that. You want, you want to come and you want to receive something that says to you, God's got you. He's going to help you through this. And here's how he wants you to do it so that if you walk according to his purposes and his design, you will produce the outcome. Walk into the outcome that he wants for you. So let's think about New Testament prophecy as, as speaking things, speaking wisdom, speaking information, messages from God to cheer us on, to build us up, to confirm God's call on our lives, to strengthen our inner man, to know that God is a good God and that he will come through in the end, to bring a supporting influence to Stay faithful to the promises of God and to bring comfort in an atmosphere of grace and forgiveness. If you think of it that way, who would not want prophecy? Who would not want a word of prophecy? Let me tell you, the words of prophecy we've received of our lives in the past were, um, were crucial, instrumental to us understanding the will of God for this big shift that we made. I cannot even imagine making this decision without having heard people give me words, prophetic words, words of encouragement like that. People that spoke God's will and God's purposes over me. People who affirmed me and told me that you have been called to this, told me that you are able to do this. What am I talking about? I am talking about having a posture of praise toward the people around us. So that we, if we have a posture of praise, we are correctly oriented to see God's will for other, over other people's lives and to affirm that for them by speaking God's will over their lives. By, by coming in agreement with what God wants for them and, and, and affirming that and echoing what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell them on the inside. Sometimes the Holy Spirit is telling you guys, you can do this. It's going to be okay. But because of life, because of things difficult, because we sometimes don't know how to discern His voice, we don't hear Him encourage us like that. And the minute somebody with a familiar voice tells you, look, you're great at this. This is how God moves through you. You release life into situations if you act in that area or if you do that service or if you, you know, say things like that or if you practice that gift of yours. All of a sudden we hear it. But why do we hear it at a level that I don't understand why I'm hearing it at that level? It's because the Holy Spirit has been saying that to you. It's because He's been trying to get through to you. He's been trying to tell you that you can do this. You are able. I have empowered you. I've gifted you. I've made you able to live 
in this and to do this. And then all of a sudden, I find myself having the courage to try and step out in it. All of a sudden, I find, oh my goodness, there's going to be a positive outcome if I start trying this. And so God wants this for us. He wants us to walk in that, in that, in that understanding that, you know, um, uh, that he will affirm through the body of Christ, through other believers, his will over our lives. And it comes, and when it comes, it often comes in the, it sounds like somebody is just, you know, just boosting you. Somebody's just praising you. They're just singing your praises. They're just kind of like, man, you're such an awesome leader. Man, you know what? You did so great on that thing that you, you know, when, like I, I like to do it sometimes when I, when I see the, um, the, the leaders here step out in faith and, 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 and follow the Holy Spirit's leadership. In some, or, they, or, they, or they stepped out and, and, and tried to minister, um, you know, a truth to, to us here. I'm like, come on, man. That is, that is awesome. You were amazing in that thing. What am I doing? I am affirming what's on the inside. It's a calling that the Holy Spirit has placed there. But maybe because of life, all things don't click right now. And so the spirit of prophecy comes and says, no, you can do this. You're great at this. You should be doing this, right? And it brings that strength. It builds that person up, hopefully, which uh, um, they still have to receive it with faith. So when we discern the will of God about a situation and we start declaring it and speaking it over that situation, it's, like, it's likened unto us praising something or affirming, speaking words of, um, uh, of, of, of upliftment into a situation or to a person. And that makes sense to that person because deep down in them, it's something that they've been wanting to hear, that they thought they might hear from the Holy Spirit, but there's doubts. There's things that they don't, that's not making sense. If that's the case, then Lord, why all this? Why all that? And then that word, that, that, that affirmation just comes and it just, it just clears away the doubts. And it says to me, yes, I need to do this. I'm going to do this. And God is going to be with me in it. So I want to bring this back to how does that really apply in our life? So as to this question, when you see people around you, what do you see? Let's start there. When you see people around you, what do you see? Do you, do you try to see what is it that God has placed in that person's life that needs to be affirmed, that needs to be celebrated, that I can be an echo of the Holy Spirit for? Or do I look at people's lives and I'm just seeing the wrong? I'm just seeing the mistakes that they're making and the wrong decisions that they're making. Parents, how do you look at your children? When you look at your children, how do you testify about your children in front of other people? Oh man, he's just a knucklehead. Man, he's just got no clue what, he's, what, his life, what life is about. He just needs to grow up. Do you only see the failures? I try to stop myself when I feel frustrated about my children's behavior. And instead of of honing in on that and assassinating their character um, and using words like, man, you never listen to me. Man, you always, I try to catch myself. Say, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. How can I affirm the part of their character that's lacking in such a way that it'll develop that, it'll build that up so that as that grows, 
the behavior will change by itself. How can I speak the identity of God over them and celebrate and praise them for what they're doing correctly and right and how they are pursuing God and then see that come to maturity instead of just focusing on everything that they've done bad and how they frustrate me. So think of these two responses and ask yourself, which one do you generally come closer to? Maybe saying to your, to your, to your, to your, um, to your daughter. So she's having a quirky conversation with you and it's slightly disrespectful. Okay? <laughs> let's, be, let's be nice. My girl, God made you sharp as a razor. You know what? You're going to help so many people out of trouble one day. Because you're quick on your feet and quick, quick, quick on your feet in thinking what you need to say. You're a solution finder. You're a plan maker. You know what? You'll never run out of ideas. <sighs> or do you do this? <laughs> you think you're clever, don't you? <laughs> it's a big for your shoes, young lady. Stop thinking. You know it all. Shut up and do as I say. <laughs> if I need your opinion, I'll give it to you. Okay, that last one was a little much, I know. <laughs> but the first half was pretty accurate, right? That's, 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 that's something sometimes I've done. I'm like, oh, can I just catch this, this praise, this posture of praise that can literally build somebody into the person that I want them to be? Can I catch that posture towards things that are happening in my life so that I, I come and say, Lord, that's not working according to what it needs to be working. But how can I come alongside it like you, Holy Spirit, comes alongside us and builds us up to become what you want us to How can I come alongside this person? right now and help them see who you've made them to be. Help them see the calling that they have and that you've enabled them to do different from what they're doing right now. It's a, it's a complete mindset shift that I don't constantly have to challenge what's wrong, but rather come and encourage what is right and what should be there by, by speaking it into that person's mind, planting the ideas and helping them and encouraging them to build that. And look at me, I'm not against discipline. I'm not against punishment that is godly and that has the character of love and God, God in it. I'm not against that. There is a time and place for it. I'm talking about my orientation toward things in a, in a permanent sense. Am I always just quick to judge, quick to discard? Man, that guy's never going to change. One thing that I've realized coming into our, our city, our culture is that Man, it's so hard to change people's perception about you. It's so hard. People made their mind up about you and that's almost the story. And to try and convince people that you're changing, it feels so difficult because pointing that finger right back at me, the three that goes, how often am I unwilling to, be, to have my mind changed about people around me? Like, man, that guy did me in on that business deal. He's always going to do that. I don't care that he's, you know, become a Christian or whatnot. That's never going to change. Whoa, 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 just hold on there for a second. What's all that, you know, remember all those things about forgiveness and, you know, <laughs> and, and, and not letting the debt of the past influence you and how you relate to people always? And I know there's qualifications, but what is your attitude? Is your attitude that of no? 
It's not going to be the, this is, or is your attitude, all right, all right, let's see. God can change people. He changed me. Or can he change you? Let's think about these things, people, because God wants us to build this church up. God wants us to be there for one another, to speak over one another the goodness and the, the promises of God so that we can grow and become and achieve what he wants us to achieve. But we're not going to do it if we have that, the, 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 the crab mentality. You know what the crab mentality is? She put a bunch of crabs in a bucket. How many gets out? None. Why? Because the minute one makes it to the top, there's three that comes and drags it down. There's such a crab mentality here. We need to change that. Why do we always try to knock down risers? Why don't we celebrate them? There's something wrong. There's something wrong about the spirit, the disposition in our hearts toward people who are successful. When somebody prospers and becomes rich, what is your attitude toward that? Are you happy for them? Or do you go and say, wow, they probably done a whole bunch of people in to get there. Oh, wow, you know, yeah, yeah. Let us not take that spirit. Let us receive the spirit of Christ that celebrates who people are. And, 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 at, and if you're proven wrong, then I would rather be proven wrong by being positive about them in the first place because that is health to me. I want to stay healthy in my perspective toward people. And if he was a jerk, then, well, you know what? Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice. Shame on you, fool me twice. Say you won't shame on me. You won't fool me again. Until I see some change, until I can hear somebody say, oh, no, 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 he's changed. Or I can see some different in behavior. So I'm just saying that there is a disposition. There's an attitude towards, there's an orientation that God wants us to take on. And it's one of praising. It's one of acknowledging, celebrating. So so when we leave church, me and my family, we're always here in two cars. Quick story. I'm not going to be long. Oh, I did it, right? I jinxed it. Snap, I should never say that. Okay, bear with me. We leave in two cars. There's always a competition about who gets home first, okay? Now the kids, now the kids, they're all like, oh, who am I going to choose? Who's going to win? So they want to know who's going to win. So they go like, Dad, are you going to be home first? I'm like, well, I don't know, maybe. You know, so we never give it away, right? So they're always like, okay, I'm going to go with Dad this, this you know, today. And so, um, <laughs> and then something comes up and like, I don't get there first. And like, you know, it looks like, and obviously the others who choose mom, they're like, nah, 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 tell me, you know. And so <laughs> we have this, um, this one moment, uh, uh, the one day, and, you know, my boy and um, one of my girls, they were so convinced we were going to win. Right, because we got away, we, we 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 left first, right? But I had to run an errand, and they didn't know that. Oh my goodness, they were so disappointed when we get home. Like, and so of course the other two girls, they're like, nah, 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 nah. and <laughs> and so their their demeanors and attitudes, just like they just lost it. Like they started fighting, and they were like, I was like, whoa. Whoa, let's calm down. They won, and it's okay. No, but daddy, guys, guys, catch your heart. Catch your heart. Let's talk through this, okay? So after I got them to, to calm down, I thought to myself, you know what? This is a great moment to teach people, to teach my kids how to lose with dignity, okay? Trust me, you need to teach your kids this, okay? <clears throat> teach them how to lose without connecting their identity and becoming losers, 
okay? So I said to them, guys, here's how we're going to do it from now, okay? If you come in last and the winning team comes and says, we won, here's what I want you to do. I want you to all say this. Come on, guys, you totally won. And I had them exercise it. It was dreadful for them. You totally won. I said, all right, let's do it, let's do it some more. And so we obviously make it more animated to kind of just bump up the humor a little bit. And, and so I can't tell you the difference it has made to our little competition. We come home, the winners still celebrate. See, what we do in our culture is we say, no, don't celebrate your victory. Why? Because I feel bad for losing. Well, if you're happy for that person for winning, we can all celebrate. And then I taught them this. I said to them, but here's what you say next. Say, next time, we're going to win. And I said, say that. Next time, we're going to I said, no, 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 no. You don't say next time, we're going to win. No, 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 no. This one has to have attitude. You put your hip out and you say, next time. <laughs> We're going to win. All right? And so my boy goes, next time we're going to win! <laughs> okay. <laughs> We've never had a fight after. Never had it again. And they use those words like it is the key to life and death, I'll tell you. It's like they come in last. They don't even allow the guys to be celebrating. They just go, next time we're going to win. You know, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. First acknowledge, you totally won. Next time we're going to training them. Why, what am I doing? I'm le- teaching them how to be available to praise. Well done. You did that business deal. You made a million dollars profit. I'm so proud of you. That's awesome. Come on, man. What you got next? Instead of starting, hmm, I'm sure that there were some, some deals there. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. That's how they all do it, right? Come on, people. You're not going to get ahead with that attitude. But if you have a posture of praise, you're able to affirm others without feeling like a loser yourself. And if you don't have the mentality of being a loser, you'll be on the winning side very soon. Let me ask you another question. Wait, let me first say this. When I look at my children, I try to call God's destiny out of their lives. And so I start saying things about them that I can see God is developing in their lives. So I'll say, man, you're such a good money saver. You know what? God is going to show you how to invest money and benefit many people one day. I'm using my praise as an opportunity to speak destiny over their lives. If I can do that with my children, I can start doing it for people around me. I can look at, at you and I go, man, you're great with children. You know what? God's going to use you to influence young kids to serve Jesus from the age of six all the way through their lives. You modeling to kids how to not backslide. You're creating a mindset in them that says that it's not necessary to take a trip in the world to find yourself. No, you're going to find yourself in Jesus Christ because that is all that you want anyways. 
And as I speak that over you, you go like, oh yeah, man, I, I've been having a hard time, but you know what, you're right. God has enabled me to do this. Praise this prophecy. You know what? I'm like, I can see that so many kids are gonna come to the Lord because of your service in that, in that environment. Just stay faithful. Don't give up. Pray over them. Lay your hands on their heads as you pray over them. Let the presence of God be felt through your, your care and your embrace. Listen to how it happened in Scripture. Judges 6.12, the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon. Now, you all know the story of Gideon. If you don't, go read about it in Judges 6. Gideon is this guy um, in, a, in, a, in a very low um, like a tribe of Israel, and he's nobody essentially, but, um, but, he, uh, um, but he does something, and the angel of the Lord, and come, he's, do, he's doing something dangerous. He's, 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 he's hiding things from um, the, you know, the, the nations that have, kind of uh, t- taking control over Israel. And so he's not allowed to do that um, because he's supposed to, whatever, they, the wheat that they produce, they're supposed to be given, given it up. But he's steal- stealing from them essentially, but it's actually theirs. But he's in a wheat, you know, in, in an enclosure where they would um, make, wa- make wine and he's, he's getting the wheat out. Um, so he's actually doing something brave, but it's a sensitive situation. But the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon and he says to him, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. God comes and affirms his identity. He says about Gideon, Lord, Gideon, you need to go and you need to go and attack these guys that have um, taken over control of Israel and you're going to beat them. And he says to him, and then, then Gideon goes like, how can I do this? You know, I'm the least of the least. And, you know, um, I'm even doubting. I don't, I don't even believe that you're still doing these things because, you know, we, don't, we haven't seen your miracles for so long. Like, you know, that are the miracles that our fathers have spoken about. We don't see these things anymore. Where, 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 where's that? What's up with that? And God again says to him, I will be with you and you will strike the Midianites as one man. Come on. God says to him, I will be with you. Gives him a positive outcome. Tells him that you can do this. Affirms his calling. What is this? It's the spirit of prophecy. And it comes in the form of God speaking a destiny, speaking praise over somebody's life. Well done, hero. You're doing it. You're standing up for what is right. Now I want you to take the next step and you go and get these guys and kick their tails out of this place. And when he doubts, God continues to add praises. You're going to smite these guys. You're going to get rid of them as one man. Of course, we know that he went out and got this massive army and God had to kind of trim them down just so (laughs) he can still see, okay, good. (laughs) It was the work of the Lord. But praise as a means of prophecy sees God's plan of, uh, for a person's life and then it declares it over them, right? Where they can hear it. And look at me, I don't care if your child is five or 50, they still need to hear this from you. They still need to hear God, you speak God's destiny over their lives. They still need to hear you affirm them for who God created them to be and what God wants to achieve through their lives. Don't think just because they're adults, they don't need it. Man, I wish I had a dad still that would do that for me, that would celebrate me and that would continue to affirm me in my calling. I have a lot of, you know, spiritual dads, but man, I would have given everything to have my own dad do that for me. He's with Jesus, so I'm sure he's doing it from there, but I can't hear him. But do it for your children no matter how old they are. It it doesn't matter if they're... they're, 
if they're serving God or not even. They don't have to serve God to hear you declaring God's purposes over their lives. Now, obviously careful that you don't put it in a way that makes them feel condemned. You know, you have to understand this is truly a praise. This is from the heart. Man, I believe in you. You are amazing. This is not a, well, if you will serve Jesus, then these things will be nicer for you. Or you will. No, 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 no. Not a time to manipulate. It's a time to prophesy. It's a time to declare God's perspective of that child. If you keep building that up, sure, I am very confident that at some point they will reach that place of response. They'll reach that place of response. The next question is, what do you see when you look at your workplace or your city or your neighborhood? I wanna, I wanna brag on Ms. Diana here for a second. Uh, she made a post on Facebook this week about Crowley. I don't know if you, if you saw it. <laughs> I, I went and read the comments. Oh my goodness. It's like somebody died and they just couldn't keep their, you know. Man, the negative comments on that thing that she posted. She posted a praise report about Crowley and affirmed this city and called on this city to work for the, the positive character of this city. Oh my goodness. The people that responded were just such naysayers. There was such a negative response and everybody had to just like lay a little egg of disaster underneath that post. And of course, I tried to affirm her in it. But that is exactly what we're speaking about. It's like, what do you see when you see this city? Do you just see the crime? Do you just see the corrupt politicians? Do you just see, you know, the, the, the uh, you know, dilapidated structures? Or do you see God's purposes over this place? Do you see God's will for this city? Do you see it for your workplace? Do you see it for where you're in your neighborhood? Start praising that place from God's perspective of it starts speaking about Crowley as you see from God's perspective about it and it'll become prophecy that eventually will come to pass in this place and establish God's kingdom here that you want to see and nobody, look, nobody denies that there are things going wrong. But let me also tell you that there are people who don't see it the same as us. This is not the moment for you to go and say, but I need to bring balance to the perspective here because really it isn't that great. No, this is your invitation to echo God Almighty's perspective over this place. This is your invitation to co-labor with the Spirit of God and to start calling forth that which is not as though it is by faith that God is gonna enable us to bring change here. It's your invitation. It's not your moment to be cynical. It's your invitation to be prophetic. It's your invitation to stand up in your authority as a son and a daughter of God and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. This place will be a place that's filled with people that welcome one and all, no matter what race or, or, or creed or whatever they come from. That is willing to work with anybody, receive anybody, no matter what, what kind that welcomes them into our midst and invites them along our journey of honoring God. Um, 
was a guy called Zerubbabel. <clears throat> yes, it's a funny name. Zerubbabel. And he was called by God to rebuild the temple. But he faced several issues. Not only were they living under threat of attack by surrounding nations constantly, these nations also openly opposed the rebuilt. The Bible described them as being sick to their stomachs, paralyzed with fear because of the stress and the tension sorry, that the nation was living under at the time. It even caused them to actually stop the work on the temple. After they laid the foundation, it all ceased. For a decade, they didn't continue because they were discouraged, because they were fearful, they were paralyzed by the pressure from other nations that they were so afraid would attack them. But then a word of prophecy came to them. Zechariah 4 verse 6 says this, Then he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Speaking about the challenges, they couldn't finish the temple. People were discouraged. They were imminent threat of attack the whole time. Who are you, threat of attack? Who are you, depression? Who are you, anxiety? Who are you, job stress, financial stress? Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become plain. And he shall bring forward the top stone amidst shouts of grace, grace to it. What does that mean? Basically says, Zerubbabel is going to complete that work. And he's going to do it in the spirit of grace. With the encouragement that comes from a word of God that says to him, I got you. You were called for this time. You will do this. I've placed everything you need inside of you. Now stand up and go do it. The outcome is going to be successful. Just go. Just start doing this. A word of praise over Zerubbabel activates him again. The Bible says they finished that temple. That's how God wants us to operate in our environments. We declare God's grace over an environment. Look, there's so many people that tells this place how wrong it is. We need a group of people who will start being committed to tell this place what it does right. And how God honors that. And how God wants to use that to glorify Him. And as that happens, listen to me, Crowley is a harvest and export city. Does it have to become that? It is that. And there are businesses who have tapped into the spirit of that and they are profiting from it. Let me tell you, there's not a church in this town that have tapped into that yet. But when the church starts tapping into it, it'll normalize. Everybody will start seeing it. This is a harvest and an export town. I can start things here and I can have a perspective that this is going to grow because this place is not my limit. No, it's my launching pad. How do you view this place? Praise as a means of prophesying what God's will is, declaring the purposes of God over this place. God needs a people who will start doing that. Can we be that people, please? Can we look past the challenges and by faith see a God that is bigger than this and step in alignment with Him and start declaring His will and way over this place. I tell you, we're going to see a harvest of souls in this place like no, never before. And it's not going to be just for harvest. It's going to be for feeding the nations. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. God is going to use us to bring in the harvest and to send out the workers. Close to us, 
hopefully not too long from now, fought from us as well. Come on, you need to see it with me. You need to see it with me. But we need to operate in the posture of praise that cultivates that kind of expectation. Remember we said last week that praise generates expectation that God will move on our behalf. It stirs our faith to be able to look out for God's cues so we can jump in on it and get busy in what He's doing to receive the harvest. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. So in conclusion, your praise over a person or a situation or a place can reveal the will of God over that thing. When God's will is spoken over something, it's like a prophecy that is, that is meant to encourage, to build that thing to the place where it, it starts bearing fruit in that situation. I know there's lots of negatives that we can talk about, but let me tell you, God has a storehouse of positives that we can start declaring over this place. And this is your moment. This is your invitation to stand up and start acting like sons of God. Let's pray. Father, I know that so many of us are are still trying to see your victory in our own lives. I pray that our posture of praise will guide us through to victory. But Father, I also know that you're inviting us today to start co-laboring with you in the spiritual realm and to start speaking your will, speaking your identity, speaking your destiny over the place that we are living in and the places that we are involved in. And I pray, Father, that you will raise us up as a people in this, in this town and in this area that lead, Father, that, that model how that, how that works and that, that we might see your purposes come to pass here, Father. Lord, we glorify you, we honor you, Father. And, and, and I pray for each person that is going through a rough time personally. I pray that they might draw close to family that is able to praise, prophesy over them to bring comfort and encouragement and assurance of good outcome to them, Lord God. I pray that they won't not walk alone, might not try and do it all on their own, but that they will know that the purpose for which you made family churches, churches that are families, is so that they can be encouraged, so that they can walk and keep walking and keep trusting and not give up, so that they might see your victory come through. For through faith and patience, we will inherit your promises. Lord God, be with us in this moment. As we step into the next season of our church's existence, I pray that we might be a people of praise. People that praise. People that praise you, Lord God, in all situations, in all circumstances. That we might declare your worth and your splendor and your awesome power. That we might look to you, Lord God, as the victor that will come on our behalf and break through on our behalf, Lord God, as we continue to honor you, to follow you, to glorify you, Lord God. Creating us a heart of praise. I pray that in the name of Jesus.